listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official sponsor of Boot Crew Media and the Straight Up Saints podcast. And honestly, after the way that Saints-Patriots game just went, I'm pretty sure the Patriots offense can use a couple of shots or needles tequila because that was a rough outing for Mac Jones and that crew. So the New Orleans Saints, there was a lot of concerns about the offense, about really the whole team after a flat performance against the Carolina Panthers in week two. And a lot of people, including myself, were wondering, what is this team? They're not as good as they were in week one. They're not as bad as they are in week two. And then they come out and they kind of put together just a defensive I would say masterclass against the New England Patriots. They win by a score of 28 to 13. And frankly, it really didn't even feel that close until the final 10 minutes of the fourth quarter when the Saints offense kind of got flat and Mac Jones had that nice touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne. But other than that, I thought that the Saints, in my opinion, played probably, I would say their best defensive performance. I know a lot of people want to go to that Packers game, but I felt as if the Packers just quit in the middle of the third quarter. The Patriots didn't quit. They just could not get anything going. They could not sustain any success on offense. And I thought that was a big key as to why uh, the Patriots were just stifled. And and before I get into concerns about the offense, my thoughts on Jameis Winston, and a lot of other factors that I know Saints fans were complaining about during the game, I want to kind of just stick to a positive note. I want to just talk about this defense for a second because I think this defense is really, truly one of the better units in the National Football League. I tweeted it before, and I'm going to tweet it again. I think this is a top five defense in the NFL. I, I truly feel that way. I do not think that there. this is a fluke. I think this is going to be a defense-first team, and I think the depth is there. And you got to remember, they're doing this without Quan Alexander. They're doing this without Marcus Davenport. And you see when you have Tano Passano in, when you have Peyton Turner, when you have Pete Werner, when you have Gardner Johnson, when you have Lattimore, you have all these guys in there now. And it's just, in my opinion, almost an embarrassment of riches on defense. That's how loaded they are. And it's at every level. And the one concern that a lot of us had was, oh, well, who's going to be the guy next to Demario Davis? And week two, it looked shaky without Quan Alexander and Zach Bond got picked on. And that was obviously something that Saints fans were a little upset about. You come out today, and I don't care if it was Caden Ellis. I don't care if it was Pete Werner. Both them balled out. I thought they were fantastic next to Demario Davis, who, by the way, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of guys who are up for the game ball for today. I think Demario Davis has to be up there at the top. He was outstanding. So now you add a Caden Ellis, you add a Pete Werner to that element, and all of a sudden the second level of your defense is good. And how about the back end? For years, how many times have us Saints fans complained about the Saints secondary? Now, something that we were a little bit concerned about going into the year It's looking like a strength. Marshawn Lattimore is playing some of the best football I've ever seen him play. I think you can argue this is through the first three games, kind of on parallel with the rookie season, if not even better. And then how about you factor in the fact that Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams have been outstanding? And Paulson Adebo, a man who we kind of weren't sure what to expect. I know a lot of people were a little on the fritz about whether or not he would be really good. Well, he's been great. And I know he's had one to two plays per game where he's out of position. He's a rookie third round pick out of Stanford who missed a year of college football. I think he looks really good. And he's been so good that the Saints feel okay with putting Bradley Roby on the bench. So that speaks volumes about the type of kid he is. Now, for people who are listening to this on Saints, uh, the straight up Saints Twitter feed, if you're trying to get your comments in, I just want to throw this out here real quick. For some reason, there was a new change to the software system for Periscope and Twitter. And if you're trying to get comments in so I can pull them up on the screen, I can't do that via Twitter. What I can do, though, 
is via YouTube. So if you guys go to my Twitter account and you're listening to this right now through my Twitter, go to one of my previous tweets. There's a link to a YouTube account. You could go through there and you could drop your comments in and I can pull them up on the screen while I'm going through this live stream, going through this recap of the Saints victory. And I'll pull it up and I'll read your questions just like this one right here about who you pay, Teron Armstead or Marcus Williams. First off, that's a fantastic question. Second, I know this is a little off topic, but you know what? It's kind of a, a somewhat relative in the fact that you have Marcus Williams balling out on a franchise tag year, and you have Teron Armstead, who's still great but just got injured. I think you take age into consideration. I think Marcus Williams would be the guy that I would pick. I know that's not exactly what everyone wants to hear, but I would go with the younger talent. I would go with the guy who's got a longer career ahead of him, and I think Marcus has been one of the top five safeties in football so far. I think he's been that good, and I think he, it, the market for Marcus Williams is going to be incredible like you're going to see the numbers that he'll be offered if he if he hits it and it's going to be astounding so I really do think that Marcus Williams would be the pick there now again before I get into my thoughts on the offense because man I got a lot of thoughts about this offense if you're listening drop go on YouTube drop some comments I'll get him in and this is the temporary fix until Twitter figures this out so obviously I like getting your, your comments up on the screen and I got one more before I go into the offense and you guys ask is Bradley Roby a waste of a draft pick my answer right now would still be no. And the reason I say that is you need depth. And I think when the Saints get into a situation when they play a team like the Buccaneers who have great depth at wide receiver, you're going to need Bradley Roby. Like maybe the game plan today did not call for Bradley Roby, but maybe when you play the Buccaneers or maybe in the playoffs, if you play a team like the Rams who have depth at the wide receiver, a wide receiver position, you're going to need Bradley Roby. So I know a lot of us right now are kind of like, man, why the Saints trade for a draft, a draft pick for Roby? But there's two things here. One, I don't think they knew what they had necessarily in Adebo till you see him in live game reps because what you see at practice, what you see in a controlled environment doesn't always translate to on-field success on Sundays. So far it is. So I don't blame the Saints for going after Bradley Roby. I think it's a little too early to kind of hit the panic button and be like, oh man, I think they wasted a draft pick, but that is definitely a fair question. Absolutely. So let's get into the Saints offense. And if you're listening on Twitter, remember guys, hop over to YouTube, leave your comments here. I thought the Saints offense for the third week in a row was just some type of roller coaster of emotions because there's times where they look good and Jameis is operating smoothly and it's a strike to Deontay Harris and then a strike to Marquez Calloway, then a strike to Kenny Stills. And you're like, all right, they're marching down the field. And then there's other times, guys, where it is just tough to watch. And I, I can't get a read on this team. I'm watching and I'm wondering, you know, are they able to sustain this type of level of success in the passing game? And that there's a reason why we have not seen explosive numbers in the passing game because they're just not that good right now in that element. And I know a lot of us want to blame the receivers and just the receivers. And trust me, these receivers are not getting open. It's it. I get that. But we can't blame every single play for the receiver. Like, I've noticed that on Twitter especially. If I ever make a comment about the offense, the top response every single time is, well, Chris, we don't really have receivers. Yeah, I get that. The Saints receiving core is not good. I mean, you're relying on Deontay Harris, Marquez Calloway, Kenny Stills, who just signed off the street. You're basically relying on those dudes to hold down the fort, and that is not fair. However, let's also not forget, though, that they're not the only ones struggling. The O-line is injured and not playing up to their standard, and Jameis Winston, who made some really good throws today and made some really good throws in week one, is holding on to the ball a little bit too much. You'd like him to just throw it away if he can. So I think it's a lot of factors for this offense. I think the O-line is not living up to its standard, plus you already lost McCoy and Armstead, so it's not going to live up to its standard. You have a running game who... Is it's not really going to get going because the running game is the primary focus for opposing defenses. Their goal going into every Sunday is taking out Alvin Kamara. 
That's just the way they look at it. So then it comes down to O-line not holding up, receivers not getting much separation, and your quarterback just holding on to the ball a little bit too much. And I think that's kind of an issue that the Saints are going to have to deal with for the entire season. Because I think whether it's Jameis or Taysom Hill, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they do hold on to the football a lot. So I think that is kind of the Achilles heel, a heel in terms of the quarterback play. And I want to bring up one specific play I mentioned James had a lot of strong throws in this game, especially over the middle of the field in the first half. It seemed like after what people call that YOLO ball to Marquez Calloway, the whole perception of that game kind of changed for James Winston. I felt like he didn't play as confident. I felt like the Saints offense just put the training wheels on and didn't really air it out and didn't let loose. And I wonder if that's kind of a combination of one not trusting the throw he made and also thinking he got away with one. Like, I don't know what exactly went down there, but... A lot of people kind of viewed it that way. If you watch this game and go back, the Saints offense, it's like they slammed on the brakes after that touchdown pass to Marquez Callaway. Like, whether or not that ball shouldn't have been thrown, and it probably shouldn't have been thrown, yet I really do want to hear what he has to say in the press conference. If he saw the flag, I think that makes it a semi-understandable throw. The whole offensive game plan just changed, and it wasn't until the last drive where the Saints had that statement drive. Now, I, I want to throw this out there because... You guys, you guys are going to sit here and you'll be like, man, Chris is just shitting on the offense nonstop here. The offense, when push came to shove and needed to have a drive, had a drive. And I think that's something that's really important because there's going to become times in this league, especially this season, where the Saints are going to have to step on an opponent's throat. And right there, they did. And that is something that I wasn't sure they'd be able to do in New England against a good defense. Crowds finally getting into it. You didn't have momentum. And for them to have the touchdown drive they did when it was a nice throw to Deontay Harris, two of them actually, you had a couple of Taysom Hill runs, a couple of really good Alvin Kamara runs. You can question Sean Payton, whatever you want, but when Sean Payton needed to be in his bag, he was in his bag, and that is why the Saints walked home with a win. And to finish this stretch where you're not at home and you're flying between Dallas and Jacksonville and Dallas and Carolina and Dallas and New England to come back to New Orleans finally, two and one, I think that's very respectable. Because if we look back at the schedule, I bet there's a lot of people who had them losing the Saints game, uh, losing, losing the Saints game. What am I saying here? Losing the Packers game, winning the Panthers game, and then kind of a flip-flop on the Patriots game. Well, the Saints win the Packers one, lose to the Panthers, and beat the Patriots. So two really, really respectable rep- opponents that they beat. Frankly, their first three games were all hard games if you look at it. They didn't get any cakewalks, any easy wins. I know the Packers win looked easy, but it wasn't supposed to be that way. So The Saints get through, I would say, a semi-gauntlet of a three-game stretch. And now you go home, you're two and one, you're feeling good, and more importantly, you are getting the crowd back. And I think that is something that is going to go a long way for a Saints team that kind of needs that little bit more of a lift because it's been a draining month of September. Going into October, getting that lift from the crowd, getting the lift from the Dome, I think that's going to help them tremendously. But it's not about next week yet, although I can't wait to preview that game. It's going to be more so about what's ahead and and the struggles that I still think can linger. And one of them I want to talk about, guys, is the kicking issues. I know it didn't matter today because the New Orleans Saints won the football game, but Aldrick Rosas was not good at all. At all. And and I'm not going to try and just completely rip Aldrick Rosas because he is not really the Saints starting kicker. He's the Saints, I would say, interim kicker until Will Lutz gets back. But he was so bad that if you're the Saints... When do you feel comfortable using Aldrick Rosas on extra point attempts? I don't really know because it's not like I could say he just missed a 52-yarder. You miss a 52-yarder, all right, not ideal, but maybe you shake it off. To come back and miss a 36-yarder, and I thought the 36-yarder was more off than the 52-yarder, 
that is indefensible and that is inexcusable. And I think that is something that if you're the New Orleans Saints, you worry about. Because I said coming into this game, I was like, man, I could see field goals playing a big deal. Thankfully, I was wrong. And thankfully, it didn't go out that way. And remember, I had the Saints winning 19-16. Obviously, the score was a little bit better for the Saints today than I predicted. That could cost you, though. Alger Rosas not being able to make his makeable field goal attempts, that can cost you when you're playing a really good football team. So that is something that I'm really concerned about moving forward. I'm obviously concerned about Teron Armstead's injury. It's an elbow injury. It was friendly fire. Basically, Tony Jones Jr. headbutt his elbow. That's kind of like what it looked like with the full-on helmet. I wonder if it was a hyperextension. I kind of think that's what it would be. Now, again, I'm not a doctor, so do not take my opinion at all in this regard. I'm just kind of trying to predict as to what it might have been. I don't know what the timeline would be like that. I'm hoping that he was ruled out because the Saints felt like they didn't need to put him in that game, which is definitely possible because they were up a good margin at the time. But again, that is something to monitor throughout the week. That is someone's name who we're going to look for on the practice report on Wednesday. My guess would be he doesn't practice Wednesday, and then hopefully he turns into a limited participant as the week goes on. But that is something to monitor because you have Eric McCoy out. You don't really want to lose Armstead as well because those are two key cogs on an offensive line that is supposed to be dominant, and right now they haven't been able to because of health. Now, let's talk about the linebackers real quick. I talked about him a little before, guys, and I kind of want to mention again. I, you know, after week two, I think a lot of us were comfortable with the secondary. I think a lot of us were even comfortable with the D-line because a lot of us just bought into the fact that when they get to know Passigno back and they get this depth back and even when Marcus Davenport comes back, they're going to have a nasty rotation, which has looked really good. And they're going to get David Onyemata back. They have three more games to go. And then David Onyemata, who's arguably their best defensive lineman, returns. So this D-line is going to get better. We are in a state of unknown when it comes to who's the guy next to Demario Davis because Quan Alexander, and Quan Alexander got injured. And on top of it, Quan Alexander, unfortunately, as good as he is, does get injured a lot. So we all thought, you know, who is going to be that guy? Is it Zach Bond? Is it Pete Werner? Is it Caden Ellis? Who the hell is this guy? And last week, I thought that Zach Bond would get the chance and kind of show that he belongs at that position. And it was just one game, but he was god-awful. And then you come into today, and Caden Ellis and Pete Werner just play really sound football. I thought Caden Ellis looked a little bit more explosive, but I think Pete Werner did a great job of keeping everything in front of him, and that's really impressive as a rookie. If the Saints just get decent production out of the guy next to Demario Davis, I think this is how the defense continues to stay at this top five level. When the back end's doing its job and the front, you know, your defensive front is just kind of just getting after the quarterback all day. I know they didn't sack Mac Jones as much as we wanted them to, but man, Mac Jones was under duress the entire afternoon. If Demario's running mate is serviceable, that's where the Saints are set. The Saints are absolutely set in that regard. So I really want to check that out. I want to see if that continues against the Giants, against Washington, the next two opponents before the bye. I want to see if that continues because if the Saints get good linebacker play, man, I think they're going to be good in a really good spot. Now, that's not the only position I want to talk about. I certainly, certainly want to talk about quarterback because this is something that needs to be every little throw, every little play, every little series is under a microscope for the Saints this year because you're trying to find the guy to replace the guy in Drew Brees. And it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen over a month. It's It might not even happen after this season. We don't even know yet. We're only three games in, 14 more to go. Still a small sample size. But what I think Saints fans need to understand is that if someone's super critical or super, I would say even, I would say super complimentary of a certain play, just realize that everything has to get taken in stride. Because I noticed it, whether it's me or any other Saints podcaster, analyst, reporter, whatever, who was tweeting during this game. 
what we tweet does not mean that we hate or love Jameis Winston. It's by a play by play by play, because this is a, what have you done for me lately league? And you got to string together consistent play. So when Jameis Winston throws an incredible pass to a Kenny Stills or incredible pass to a Marcus Callaway on the sidelines, I'm going to commend that. And then if he goes around and holds the ball too long and is a little loosey goosey with it and got away with a pick, then I will bring that up. That's just the way it goes. Like I want to just clear the air on that. And then to kind of further that point, when I say I want to see Taysom Hill in the ball game, that does not mean I want a quarterback change. That means I want the Saints to use a really good playmaker in a playmaking role. I don't know why I have to kind of, you know, explain myself into week three, but it kind of felt that way because with Saints fans, and I don't blame you guys because I'm the same way. I think we're like so defensive because we're so used to the coverage of the team being so hypocritical and negative and, and double standards that we kind of get, you know, like I said, defensive of every little thing. I think for the Saints, especially right now, finding that balance between seeing if Jameis can play turnover-free football, but also kind of playing quick. I think that's an important thing that they have to figure out because he's had two weeks where he hasn't thrown a pick, which is great. But in the two weeks that he hasn't thrown a pick, it just sometimes seems like the clock, in terms of the internal clock of getting the ball out quick, has not been sped up. And, And I hope it does because if that does get sped up and you limit the turnovers that's where you get the answer. I think that's where you get the best of both worlds. Because I want, at some level, the Saints to let Jameis loose a little bit. I don't think you can get through 17 games playing with an offense that is very, very limited. You got to open it up. But the decisions need to be faster. So I think it's kind of a, a kind of a give and take. It's going to take a while. But next week's maybe a good opportunity. You're playing against a Giants defense that isn't that great. Now they're not that bad, but they're not that great. And then you're playing a Washington team, which just gave up about 40 points to the Bills. So next two weeks, we'll see what happens. I am very, very interested though, to see what happens next week in the Dome. I think when you go back to that preseason game against the Jaguars, the Saints were airing it out. They were kind of opening it up on that turf in the Dome. Can they do that again? That is something that I'm going to look forward to. But overall guys, through three weeks, I, I'm, I, I would say that I'm super, super pleased with the defense. I'm not encouraged by the offense, but this is not changing my opinion because I thought that the Saints were going to be a defensive first team this year. And I said that the Saints are a 10 and 7 team if all goes well. And right now, they're kind of sticking to the script of a 10 and 7 team. I mean, you're two and one through three games, kind of, you know, put that pace on five times six, whatever the hell that, you know, the math might be. I'm not exactly a mathematician here, but the Saints look to be on track for at least a 10 and 7 season, which is good. I, I think that this team. I wouldn't say have haven't lived up to the standards. It's three weeks. I think they're actually better defensively than I thought they would. And I think they're about as inconsistent on offense as I kind of expected them to. Now, I think Michael Thomas's return will help. I think Traquan Smith's return will help. But I think there are some things in this offense that just can't get fixed. Like, I think we have to, after three weeks, start to wonder, is the tight end game going to be non-existent? Adam Troutman has been a no-show. Juwan Johnson was excellent week one, hasn't really done much since. So if that element's gone all right, you're missing something from your offense. How about the wide receiver group? Like I said, sure, Traquan and Mike are absolutely going to help this group when it gets back, but you still got to wait till they get back. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen within the next two, three weeks. So again, be patient, but don't be super, super patient in the sense that I can't sit here, guys, and say I'm not going to judge the offense till Michael Thomas gets back. That's not fair. Like at the end of the day, people got to do their job. So I think the offense will be better in a couple of weeks from now. But at the same time, I have to kind of take what I've seen in front of me, what my eyes are telling me. This is not a good unit. And I know a lot of people were upset because CBS Sports put out a graphic that the Saints ranked 32nd in passing offense. Well, 
After three weeks, do you disagree with that? They don't look like a dynamic offense, but if the defense is playing well and they could play the field position battle, all right, let's do this thing. I think that's where the Saints will be fine. So we'll see what happens again, guys. If you're listening on Twitter, if the comment section is not working for you because Periscope changed their algorithm for some weird reason, go to the YouTube link that I have on Twitter. It's literally the tweet below where you're watching. You can click in there and then you can release comments and I could put them up on the screen and we could talk anything about this game, about next game, whatever the hell you guys want. I'll put it up on the screen and we could chat about it. Uh, in the meantime, though, while I wait for you guys to do that, I'm going to just bring up one more thing I want to say about this Saints team. It's about them going home. Again, we are, what are we, seven days away from the Saints-Giants game? I can't predict what's going to happen for that game from now because I have to see the injury reports. I know the Giants got beat up physically today in terms of Slayton getting hurt and Shepard getting hurt and Blake Martinez getting hurt, so that obviously will play a factor, no doubt, in that game. But in just terms of raw emotion, how this team's going to feel, I would be stunned if they come out flat. I don't know if they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to go on some crazy streak here. But man, in terms of energy, high volume, I expect the Saints to really, really just come out and bring it next week. I really do. I, I think that this team is going to have a lot of emotion behind them, good emotion. They're going to be happy tears for us Saints fans, watching them, seeing them back in the Dome. I think it's going to be really exciting. And I think it all starts kind of with what they did today. Be dominant defensively, and hopefully everything falls into place. I kind of think that's the formula for this entire season, guys. I know it's weird. When we think of the Saints, we think of high explosive offense. We think of efficiency. Well, now it's going to be defensive efficiency. It's a little bit different. It's definitely unorthodox for this franchise. But a win is a win. That's all that matters. I don't care if it's an ugly win. I don't care if it's a beautiful win. I just don't care. As long as it's a W and the Saints kind of stay on track to be a playoff caliber team, which they've done through three weeks, and I know it's super early, that's all that matters, guys. You know us, Saints fans. We're going to have a good time as long as they win that game. So we'll see what happens in the future, but I am super encouraged with the defense. I'm super encouraged with the punting slash punt returning side of things, and I'm a little bit encouraged by the fact that the Saints kind of have that killer instinct to them. I think that actually means a lot. I, I think for the Saints... Through their two wins, there were times where it's, all right, enough's enough. Let's just put it down. Let's put the hammer down. And they did it there. Now, I'm not talking about the Carolina game. That thing was just atrocious. But the two wins, guys, when the push came to shove, the Saints said we got this. And I think that is something that is a good quality to have if you're going to be a playoff caliber team. But that's going to do it, guys, for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to remind you guys that, I and I'm going to say it all week, this is a top five defensive team. I think the Saints defense is going to carry them through all of the season. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching this unit, which is something I never thought that I'd say maybe five years ago when we were watching BW Webb and those boys absolutely struggle to cover anyone. But here we are. It's a weird world, but man, we're all living in it. Saints win 28 to 13, two and one on the season. Hopefully three and one next week when they play the Giants. I'll preview that game later this week. I'll, I'll leave some links for you guys so you guys can get in the comment section, get more active like we're used to seeing. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy your victory Monday. I know I am. I got some donuts. I got some bowling that I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy myself on that Monday. And I'll be back with a couple of videos previewing the Giants game, but also kind of recapping this game a little bit more. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And let's hope the Saints can keep this going. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast.